Sunday morning, what is it to be miserable about? This is Richard Wilson speaking. Thank you for downloading One Foot in the Podcast. So I'm a wrinkly, crinkly, but don't shed a tear. I'm not exactly a little old dear. One thing's for sure, I'm still bloody well here. One foot in the grave. Hello and welcome back to Series 1, Episode 4. I'll retire to Bedlam in this rewatch series with the fans, the listeners even. And this week I'm joined by a good friend, Darren. How are you, Darren? I'm good, Tom. Yeah, yourself? I'm very well. Yeah, very good. Very good to have you back on. Uh, yeah. One-to-one. Usually Simon's with us. It was the last time you were with us. Was it one foot in the Algarve you did, the two-parter? Yeah. yeah, it was the Algarve Marathon. Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, I think we'll miss Si tonight. Yeah, it, it, he will be missed. But we'll have to make the best of it, won't we? Yeah, I think it'll be fine. And uh, you, you're often the curse of me forgetting to press record on Zoom, but I've <laughs> obviously remembered because, well, this will come out in the uh, final edit, presumably. We've only done it twice, so... I think it's more than twice, isn't it? Is it? Oh, God. <laughs> I, think it's more, I think it's three or four times. There was once <laughs> or twice in the for the One for the Algarve episodes... Yeah, it certainly was at least once when we did the our top five moments with Simon yeah. and yourself, and then there was was it an Easter special we did? Yeah, it was. Was it the Comet Relief? The Comet Relief was is where we uh, did the top fives and the Comet Relief special, but we did an Easter special early this year. And yeah, yeah. Release it keeps happening when you're on the pod. I don't know why. I, th- I think I remember we recorded about twelve minutes at one point, or didn't oh, record. Absolute it, dynamite conversation. It, yeah, it was good stuff. I remember we were bringing up things like Rising Damp and links to Leonard Rossiter, and we got into yeah. the flow. And then your your face sort of went, "Oh <laughs> God!" Your face was an absolute picture. It looked like you just yeah. you looked like you lost a fiver, found a penny. You had that kind of expression uh, on your face. Because <laughs> it's happened again. I looked through a fiver in the air, and it came down as a summons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he looked like Hitler when he received his gas bill. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, no more comparisons. <laughs> yeah, typically I recorded that that uh, tasteless gag. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, our retired bedlam is yeah fourth episode of series one. Aired the twenty fifth of January nineteen ninety. So I'd just like to wish my dad a happy thirty second birthday, which is crazy because I'm four years older than that. So that's how long ago this episode was, even though anything with 1990 in the date doesn't seem that long ago, but it really was. In reality, I was four years old. Well, not yet, three and a half. You're a couple of years older than me, aren't you, Daz? Yeah, yeah. It's quite scary because there's this thing, I think, apparently, where it's like an actual syndrome where people believe the 90s was only a few years ago. They don't realise it was 22 years ago. It ended. Because <laughs> you think of like, to, in my head, 1998 is five years ago <laughs> mm. it's not it's a long time well we're getting to that stage of our lives where we where we can reminisce about something that could be 20 plus years ago but obviously when you're a teenager or younger you can't say that line you say oh two years ago we we're doing this but actually yeah for you and i it's 20 25 years ago and uh yeah that's, <laughs> unfortunately that's age isn't it that's scary what did you when you watch this episode back what did you make of it I don't know when, when was the last time you watched this particular episode. Um, do you know what? I, I can remember watching it. I was about what year was it out? Nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. I I didn't watch it then. It was I was probably about eleven. I think it was mid nineties, and I I can remember watching it with my great grandparents, um, specifically my great nan because uh, she loved it, and 
I do like this one because this there's not a lot happens in it, but it's it's got Victor at his sort of sarcastic best. And it's yeah. got he's trying to be positive and he at the start of the episode he's he's trying to be, you know, positive <laughs> outlook. And then life just whacks it out of him. I, I feel like not got a bees in this episode. You what, sorry? Oh yeah, yes, be yes. Uh should we should we delve straight into the episode? Sounds good. Oh, I'm so opening up with this, I, I didn't really acknowledge anything you just said. It's interesting that you could recollect roughly the year and that you're watching your grandparents. That's quite special because I didn't, I didn't watch series one for quite some time. I probably caught the odd repeat on UK Gold, but then probably the box set, it would have been the box set, the DVD box set came out, sorry. That's probably when I, w- when I would have caught series one properly. Yeah. So quite a late coming to it in reality. Um, but what can you do in the 90s when it's just video? Didn't always yeah. buy the videos. They're quite expensive. The bulk of your pocket money on, on a video, which is what a film would be, 15 quid, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Let alone a chunky, video, a, a, a chunky video box set would usually come in two parts, wouldn't it? Yeah. So if they did sell series one, which I, I presume they did, it would have been three on each tape. That's mm. how they used to do it, isn't it? Yeah, three episodes. and That seems mad now, doesn't it? Absolutely crazy. It's so... And obviously, we all have that experience with videotapes when they get tangled and they're just unusable. Yeah. Thankfully, we don't have that with DVDs or streaming. It's just... I was saying to you and Simon the other day, I've got this urge to go back, get back into DVDs again. You know how music fans get into to vinyl? I think I want to go back into the DVD era. <laughs> I've got much of my collection still in a box in the loft but i did give away two large boxes to charity which are just things i probably won't ever watch again to be fair but i've kept all the comedies and a few films and drama series i absolutely love yeah but i there's lots of comedies that i want to get on box set old british comedies in particular that i never really gave a proper chance to i was was speaking to you offline as it were about this was and i wrote briefly things like rising damp and steps and sun george and mildred things i haven't really given too much time to in the over the years but i would like to get go down that avenue again with dvds streaming is um it's a costly thing really isn't it It seems cheap but it, mm. it adds up throughout the year doesn't it and uh, I, i've got multiple good. multiple streaming services and i definitely don't get my money's worth because i haven't got that discipline to stick to something like find something new i just watched that and i've already got yeah. and um of course a lot lot of um british comedy is censored more than ever or the odd episode removed um but so it'd be nice to have a raw copy yeah especially uh, like going back <laughs> to this bit and i think we've got disney Britbox, so bbc i play you know we all pay for um netflix and i think christ how many more streaming services do i want i know yeah, I've, I've got loads and loads of like the you know like black adder only fools you know all like you know one for all the original dvds um, yeah. that i'd never throw out but then I go years and years with like I think the only DVD play we've got in the house has got an inch thick of dust on it. <laughs> Just never, it's, it's never used. Yeah, it's it's incredible how cheap some box sets are. Though you can get one from the grave for about twelve quid. That's Six a quality series of, co- of a comedy with specials, twelve quid, that brand new. Yeah, and as far as I'm aware, there's, they've only ever released one box set of one from the grave. You know how Fools and Horses every few years releases a new one. And they yeah. might have a new a new cut, or they might have put an old cut back in. Yeah. One from the grave just seems quite consistent from start to finish. That's why it's not that known what cuts there are in the one from the grave land. Mm. We we know one from the Algarve is reduced down by forty odd minutes. So whether that's 
that bit of film exists somewhere in the archives, whether it's just in script format. Be nice yeah. to know, wouldn't it? Might be a bit like Dad's Army, you know, they discover lost episodes and you know loads of things they film they just didn't release. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I, I was changing the topic there. So back on topic then. Um, Margaret is in the kitchen preparing what looks like a delicious looking chicken as Victor can be heard singing Danny Boy, I believe it's by Frederick Edward Weatherly. So have to look that up, of course. A very rare instance of Victor being quite chirpy and uh, displaying plenty of positivity as he uh, celebrates the fact it's a Sunday morning and that claims it's the, it's the first day of the week. To those who work, I feel like Monday is the first day of the week. But I, is Sunday officially the first day of the week? I, I don't know. Uh, but if you're a worker like you and I and many of you out there, Victor at this point is obviously retired, so maybe he doesn't feel Monday is the first day of the week anymore. He's between jobs, Tom. <laughs> that's that's very true. <laughs> Nothing can possibly get to Victor this at this point, despite the fact Women's Zone is giving away a free pack of human organs with every issue. <laughs> uh, no point increasing the blood pressure, as he says. Life's too short. Obviously, this is very short-lived isn't it he's when he steps outside what a gorgeous and perfect day what does it cut to god i wish i was dead i love the, the way they cut to just you, you're looking out to like the perspex glass and it's just swarming with bees <laughs> and, it, and the invictus is ranting those bees i remember um if you remember on the podcast chris gernan said that they were a bit worried they they didn't have enough bees on show Nearly about 30 odd bees or something, but it looks quite a lot, it looks convincing. Yeah, there's quite a few on that perspex. It's, uh, are you one. um afraid of bees or insects of any nature? Would you, would no. you just, would you just bolt for it or would you, would you keep yourself locked in? I'd probably bolt for it if it's bees, not too bad. I mean, wasps are a nightmare, they're just a pest. I think people say they're good for the garden. I don't know, but <laughs> there's a lot of them, right. I had I had a, quite a few incidents with uh, wasps today because I had a cream tea at this place in in uh, Shearwater. For anyone who's been to Shearwater, it's a beautiful part of Wiltshire. And uh, yeah, ha- had a cream tea, of course. Warm weather, jam all over it. Uh, Do you have a scone? I had a scone or a scone, however it's pronounced. I think I'd say scone. What is it? Cream or jam or jam or cream? Or... I'm a firm believer in cream first. Absolutely. Yeah, That's yeah. the Devonshire way, isn't it? Cornish yeah. way is jam first. Obviously, it doesn't matter, but I just feel like the cream represents the butter. So if you were if you were making toast or a sandwich, you'd put butter on first, wouldn't you? Then you yeah. put your jam or whatever spread on top. But apparently that's the wrong way as well. So not offend any listeners. Yeah. Um <laughs> so yeah, Victor's in very much a foul mood. It doesn't take too much for him to he's he's not just a bit negative, he's 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 pretty incensed, isn't he, about this uh situation. They speculate who it could be actually. It's a Mr. Parslow who lives on the corner of Coca Street. Yeah. I, I like picking up these names and these um made up street names across the way, just learn a little bit more about their world. Um uh, and it's Mr. Parslow was was thinking of taking up beekeeping apparently as a hobby. But do you think Victor would be able to harvest more positive energy in life if he felt it would benefit? Because he's seldomly in a good mood. In only a story he's pretty chilled, isn't he? So he, he could do it manifesting more good things in life. He, he yeah, clearly yeah. finds it a, a tricky, doesn't he? He does. Like, we, you know, he takes on these hobbies, doesn't he? Like, like this one, you know, record collection. Um, is that ever mentioned again, Victor's record collection? You have to refresh it, my memory. Does it, have they mentioned it so far? Yeah. He, well, he's playing playing a Danny boy, and then later on, the. Oh, that's, yes, yeah. Boys, and he says he's the pride of my collection. Is oh, that, that, yeah. 
<laughs> but Ask I don't think he ever adhered to that again. But he does like to try and be more positive. He does do these things, doesn't he? You know, like uh, ventriloquism and yeah, uh, all that's, sorts. That's, yeah, creative. Yeah. Creative. Yeah, he's a very creative guy. We've established, haven't we? Yeah. Um, yes. Apology. <laughs> he's not. He's not really the animal welfare activist, though, because he tries bludgeoning what he thinks to be a bee creeping under the shed door, but it's just a bit of moss. And, Don't uh... pick it. <laughs> Margaret suspects or hopes rather that Mrs. Oldthorpe, who stares out of her window every hour, can rescue them. So that is their actual hope, Mrs. Oldthorpe, which might be the inspiration for Mrs. Aylesbury because she lives across the way, doesn't she, in Riverbank. Brought this up before, but when you first see Mr. and Mrs. Ellsbury, it always surprised me that they're quite young, but the way that they're spoken about, when you, you think, especially Mrs. Ellsbury, she sounds like an old lady. An yeah. Old lady's name, but she's actually in that second serial, third series. She can only be late 30s, early 40s. Yeah, not the 60, 70 year old woman you'd imagine, but yeah, Mrs. Allthorpe hopefully can rescue them. And that's a, a short scene. Uh, Margaret put the kiss of death on it. We'll be out of here in no time. Which takes us to night time and Victor's ranting that's been three and a half hours of absolute death. Wouldn't you, after half an hour, just go sod this? Let's go for it. Yeah. I don't know. To be stood up as well for three and a half hours, I'd struggle with. Yeah, in a little poxy little shed as well. Apparently, Victor's got an eye test the next day. And amongst all the, these ramblings, he found three Twix wrappers in the honeysuckle. Was there a reference of an Arthur Askey B song as well? Yeah, I think it's... I don't know a lot about Arthur Askey. Every time I nod off, I have this hideous dream that I'm imprisoned in a lunatic asylum with Arthur Askey singing outside the window. <laughs> I'm sure in the far show they, they do an Arthur Askey sketch. Yeah. Didn't they? Like a, a, yeah. a, mock, a mock take of... Uh, of Arthur Askey. Well, anyway, um, Margaret seems frustrated with Victor's outburst. As she, she's trying to read. He's moaning about all the ash from the cornfield across the way. And Victor, without any sort of irony, suggests Margaret should just relax a bit more. <laughs> she's getting very irritable. Yeah. Um, very delusional from Victor. Well, maybe it's true somewhat because Margaret gradually gets a little bit more irritable as, as the series progresses. She's very passive, but not aggressive, isn't she, in the early, in the early stages? Um, she's she's quite obviously she's she gets worn down somewhat, doesn't she? She's um, the one that's the the heart attack. Yeah, she does, doesn't she? She's the, she's the one that as as gets nervous exhaustion. The book she's reading, a short history of Britain. We read into every moment, don't we? Why do you think yeah. David's put given that putting that book title in this scene? Why is Margaret reading that, or does it not matter? It's, I don't know. I think it's probably reason to it. You know how clever David Rennick was. I wonder if there is a link to it and something. Yeah. Is there's a lecture on the go. I don't know if that's linked to it, but... Well, the last episode, it was uh, referenced that Victor voted for the SDP. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which put Thatcher's back on the map, back, back, you know, back in charge. Yeah. It split the vote. So I think it's done and dusted at that point. Yeah, I don't know why. Because obviously... The props people either come up with the idea or, or they follow David's instructions to, to get this book, get the uh, short history of Britain. But I didn't really take it in actually what she was reading. No. If any, if any listeners have any uh, idea why, please, please let us know. This is a podcast about one from the grave. Nothing is off limits with uh, nerdity. I said nerdity, not nudity, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, Better put a shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> the next day in the kitchen, Margaret's once again prepping some food. She's quite she's a bit of a dealer in this episode, isn't she? She's speaking to a, a woman that 
who looks like I'd say a 1980s Madonna. Is it Iris, played by Rebecca Stevens? Yeah, is it a niece? I, I, it might be. I think is she this, calls her Auntie Margaret. Is this na- the name Iris in any way relating to an optician scene in any way? Isn't oh, she got a, is she? But obviously, Margaret has finished recounting the B story, uh, and she she speaks about an uncle Brian of this of this woman, uh, and it does it is confirmed that a Mister Parslow does actually own these bees, but he's not he's not been seen for twenty four hours, which I think is pretty dark. So I wonder yeah. if poor old Mister Parslow is he's done a Mister Gittings. I don't know. You're dead. <laughs> um, would be surprised in this in this one from the grave universe. Someone's there could be one death per episode without us realizing it. Any you know linked to the Meldrews. Margaret actually gives us you know the audience an insight to the difference between Victor of today versus how he was before he was retired. Yeah. She feels he's basically got more time to soak everything up you know, like a sponge of all the disasters and hideous things, which in turn is making him more grumpy. So I wonder, sometimes people speculate, has he always been like this? Maybe not. Maybe it's just an age thing, but being forcibly... I'm sure in the previous ones we've done, we wondered at what point did he become that he couldn't... I don't think he always was like this. No. Maybe... gradually got beaten down. It's a gradual thing, and and it probably got sped up by being forcibly retired. Yeah, exactly, Uh, yeah. Replaced by a box. Replaced by... And more time to think, you know, if you're not... If you're not in your routine, you're thinking more, and that's a lot. Most most people like to keep busy, even if you're a multimillionaire. I suppose you want to be busy, not necessarily in work, but certainly doing a hobby. Pottering, pottering, yeah. Which your brain turns to mush, I imagine. Um, this woman, this Iris, is asking if Margaret's had time to ask Victor about a certain favour, which we're not yet privy to. Which obviously, we will be. We are moving on to the opticians see now which is why i speculated if this woman being called iris has any link at all other than just a coincidental so this, this is quite this is quite a funny scene this is this this is one of the because there's a very very clever gag coming up isn't there a little bit yeah, later yeah. on but in 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 the uh sort of foreground we see victim between uh, mr jelinek or jelinek who is played by yeah. the late great john bluthal is that how you pronounce his surname frank, so. frank from vicar dibley frank pickles frank pickles or was pickle. it Frank Pickle? Pickle. pickle. Um, yeah. Jack Holiday and uh, Jonathan Creek, of course, in Jack in the Box. And obviously. Yeah, only Jack Holiday. Yeah. He's, it's it's Because it, that that was a nine, I think I was uh, an episode from Jonathan Creek in 97 ish. Vicar Dibley was out at the same sort of time. It's just amazing how different he is to Frank Pickle. Because, mm. you know, his acting, he's going to play. Sounds silly to say, but it's just amazing how. The range that some of these actors got because mm. as Frank Pickle, he's very lovable and a bit ditzy. But as Jack Holiday, if you've seen Jonathan Creek, he's quite yeah. a how would you drunk. describe him? I don't know. I mean, he's just a drunken, bitter, mm. not horrible, but you could see he's just sort of entitled and 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 uh, he's the opposite, what, isn't he, he's, he's the opposite, yeah. But he looks very young in this scene, it's in 1990. But when he plays Frank Pickle only a few years later. I don't know if it's makeup and costume, but he looks considerably older. But he looks quite youthful, doesn't he? Yeah, it does. it's, it's funny. Yeah, it's funny because to me, like Richard Wilson has never really aged in all the time. But you see some actors and actresses they, they do age really quickly. Mm. I don't, I don't think HD and all has helped. No, but, that's uh, true. That's very true. Actually, I, I think Richard's, you know, with great respect, he's balding, isn't he? With with uh, he's a silver fox, isn't he? Really, he's got quite a lot of hair at the back. But I think that. 
I've said this before. I think if you ha- if you happen to have very little hair on top, that will serve you well in the long run because you don't seem to age. Apparently, those of us who do have hair, we're going to lose it, or it's going to get thinner, and you're going to look your age more. So, but he's done a labyrinth, Superman, Fifth Element, season professional. The other side of it is a Roger Hammond, playing Mister Glesby, uh, King's Beach, Around the World in Eighty Days, uh, Mox, loads of other things, all sat in the waiting room. Oh, I think they've all got their eyes shut, haven't they? Yeah, they've got the drops in their eyes. They've got to not open their eyes for the drops to take full effect, according to the receptionist. It looks like a T. Ronnie sketch, doesn't it? Have you seen that T. Ronnie sketch? The uh, <laughs> the opticians, Victor and the two chaps. It, it, it looks like a start of a T. Ronnie sketch, but a really good gag comes up now with a an old chap and, his, and a lady with him. Excuse me, I'm sorry to trouble you again. There's been a bit of a mix-up. My wife brought me here at nine o'clock and to see the uh, eye specialist, and we went away about an hour ago, didn't we? And then we did a bit of shopping and went home. And now, do you know, I think he's given me the wrong glasses. Oh, what makes you think that? Well, this isn't my wife, you see. It's how it's how the joke's set up. What a great gag that this this isn't my wife, you see. Which makes you wonder, where is his wife? Where is yeah. her husband? <laughs> Are they walking off together? I don't know. Your handle is that is is Daza Magoo, isn't it, uh, Darren? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a Mr. Magoo Appreciation Society line coming up, isn't there? Yeah. If I go to wait here much longer, stuck here with the Mr. Magoo Appreciation Society. <laughs> <laughs> He's been... it, yeah, Victor sat there with a Mr. Magoo Appreciation Society. <laughs> they do look a bit like Mr. Magoo, both of them. <laughs> and Mr. Gillespie speaks aloud what Victor's here for. Also, Victor thinks he's been spoken to. He's quite rude and uh, to Victor and bluntly points out he wasn't speaking to him. Yeah. Because Victor says he thinks he's got like a blocked blood vessel. How, 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 did he, how did he do this? Was there something in the last episode that I can't recall? Not that I remember. Blocked blood vessel. Did he get a whack in the eye? I know he's attacked by teenage or soccer hooligans in the last episode. Football hooligans. Possibly. I don't think it's, it's not obvious if it is, is it? It's... No. <laughs> and she goes over to Mr. Jellyneck. Yeah. <laughs> Jellyneck. It's just a bit of idle chat between Jellyneck. <laughs> I just love the way just before that, you know, the two not married couple, the yeah. way they just go and sit down next to each other. <laughs> like, what are they doing? They just, yeah, just turn around and sit down as if it's normal. And they just sat there waiting to be reunited with their, their wives and husband. She looks like Vera Duckworth, doesn't she, a bit? <laughs> yeah. And obviously we haven't referenced the fact that the the receptionist is in The Man in the Long Black Coat as well. Yeah. Uh, in, in the doctor's waiting room. <laughs> that waiting room is as well, when she says about the hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> So it's basically one of these mundane waiting room small talk conversations. Um, poor old Victor's left out, which I think is a bit cruel, but there you go. And Mr. Glesby's describing some sort of tubing that's got to be inserted in, in into his, not his eyes, I don't know how it's how <laughs> described. And because he's, uh, they've all got their eyes closed, obviously. And the way he's just, he's he's uh, motioning how long the tube is, and Mr. Jenenek is, <laughs> he obviously can't see it. He just says, "Oh, get away!" <laughs> it's just a like a joke there. Very good. He's obsessed with tubes, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> that Mr. Gillespie, 
He looks familiar. Yeah, he's he been in a Mr. Bean sketch or something. I'm sure he's been in plenty. I could just look it up. I think if it was Mr. Bean, I remember, but he does look familiar. He'll come uh, back. He'll come to us, maybe. He's just saying they push them right in. They say it's like sliding a straw into a bottle of Coca-Cola. <laughs> oh, um, Victor's called in, isn't he, for his appointment. Did I hit Mr. Parslow's giving his correct prescription spe- spectacles? Ah, yeah. So, yeah, that's why I just... Because it's been a few weeks since I watched this. So, yeah. the, the Mr. Parslow story... It's not a storyline, but that, that kind oh. of... That's a bit of closure to that because he's in to collect some prescription glasses. So he is alive. So he's gone missing. He's not been heard of for 24 hours. And Victor obviously spots him, gets his walking stick and breaks in half, which is a very aggressive form of retaliation. Thank you, um, man. <laughs> I mean, but, if you were to watch it now, you'd think, what was that? I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Mr. Parslow. So what's the link to Mr. Parslow? I suppose... Um, if he's if he's got dodgy vision and he thinks he's put the hatch on the uh, the beehive, whatever the term, the term is, and he hasn't, hence the bees escaping. That's probably why he's there. He's obviously uh, that's why he's been written into this scene. I, I love how earlier on Victor as well. He goes, he's not very good at it. He goes, seen as the basic principle of beekeeping is to get some bees and keep them. <laughs> <laughs> he's that's rubbish like- at it. Like a black adder style put down in it. Yeah, back into the next scene in the kitchen. Yeah, so this Iris is a niece, like you, like you said. She does call her auntie, which you mentioned earlier. And you wonder if she's like blood related or just a honorary auntie. You never really know, do you? With this show, no. Um, and she once again asks if a final decision can be made about whatever this favor is. Next thing we know, there's someone at the door. It's a TV producer. They want to use the, the Melody residence to appear on a, a by-election feature. This actress is Victoria Haste. I think Victoria Hasted, pronounce that right, from BBC Look East. Uh, it's one clue as to where the Meldries live in the country, actually. We know they're in the east part of England. That's, that's obvious. And that's a very quick scene. Do you think um, this Iris is being relatively pushy? Yeah, definitely. I mean, she asks about three or four times, really, doesn't she? And she even phones at one point, doesn't she? She says, <laughs> yeah, she does. Is this a great time? And it never is. She 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 needs an urgent answer. Where where is it they're going the next day? Is Margaret? Well, we'll find out in a minute, won't we? Because Margaret does broach the subject with Victor. But um, it's a very quick scene back at the opticians, and Victor's at this point alone in the waiting room as he as he speaks to who he thinks are those two gentlemen from earlier. And now his eyes are obviously closed because he got eye drops in. An ophthalmologist leaves as another member of staff enters clearly the cleaner and that's this point victor asks if he can enter the patient's room which she obviously doesn't have a problem with you know why would she i just wonder do you think victor was left there on purpose after breaking mr parso's stick was it some sort of way to punish him Cause... yeah but he perhaps he just thought this bloke's horrible yeah let's leave him <laughs> there him out so he enters the waiting room as the cleaner rather passively allows him to sit down and she asks if if he can see a red mark on the wall which you know is going to lead him down the wrong path isn't it uh, she can't. It's just a stain she can't get rid of, even with it with Ajax. Ajax, pal. Ajax, <laughs> go easy on the Ajax. You know the Ajax. That's why I pronounce it as Ajax. She goes. Can you see that red mark? He covers his eye. Goes. Oh, one second. <laughs> just a... <laughs> how plausible is it that would happen? It's good to speak about how plausible these uh, cockups are. I think it is. It's always done well, and it's some some things are a bit. You think. Mm. But it's always done well. It's just come in. I mean, why would she think, you know, what, what did Victor say? Oh, can I go through there now? Like, why yeah. would she say no? 
Yeah. About the red mark. I suppose that's a bit. But then it's just the way he, he makes it and he covering his eye in just a second. But... Yeah. It's <laughs> back at the Meldrews that the, the film crew are about to enter a take. So Mark adds the door to a canvasser, um, a Vincent Davidson, the Monster Raven Looney Party. Surprise the Beeb wants to give them some coverage, but they do. And the campaigner uh, requests to use the, the toilet, which see Margaret obliges later on in this in this scene. Only real only realise actually I don't know if I realised for the first time I just forgotten that this man is actually dressed as a bee, isn't he? Yeah, a large bee. Yeah. Which is the theme to this episode. They, were they known to be wearing I, I know they're the Monster Raven Looney party, which is the point, but would they would they usually choose a bee as an outfit? I don't think it was always no, I, I dropped probably about ninety four, and that's pushing it. Um, I remember a massive double decker bus with labour all over it, um, sort of camped on our street during that election. Um, I can remember people mentioning the Monster Raven Looney Party, but I think it was always a protest vote, wasn't it? And I, I don't think they all dressed up like that. I think it's like you said, they just had to look like lunatics. Is it? It's um, a howling lord. He's he's a. Uh... If I pronounce his name correctly, he's the the chap. He's he's the leader. Is it Screaming Lord Satch? He used to call him. Or have I got that completely wrong? He might be. I don't. I don't know. He's got a big. He's got a white cowboy hat on. He's dressed all in white, basically, with a blazer and a load of badges with slogans on. I think um, it's a bit like the modern equivalent is Lord Buckethead. <laughs> yeah, the, the huge black. Yeah. So Margaret carries a plant pot back to the... So they, they, they we don't really see anything that's gone. Is she, is she she has just to go along with, with the BBC Lookies. It's, it's very clever how a professional actress like Annette Crosby can play this innocent middle-aged woman who's got to try and put on an act. It's quite double act, double acting. Double, I don't know what the term is, but... it's got Yeah, it's got to be a term for that, isn't it? Acting with yeah. an actor. Like a double negative, but not negative. She, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say dub, she's doubly acting. She's... <laughs> Getting paid double, yeah, yeah, because um, she looks quite like rigid and a bit awkward. So to yeah, play that, that's good. It's like she's just sort of saying, Oh, yes, thank you very much. And it just looks a bit forced. B Man is, yeah, he's gone to use the toilet. Margaret's putting the, I think they're, they're done now with the recording. She's putting the plant pot back. They obviously had, they had the nerve to like move things around, but I don't know why they would have to do that. Maybe unless the plant pot was in the way of the filming. Victor enters through the kitchen, livid at his experiences today at the clinic, and he goes straight to the bedroom. So I like, I do like this scene because this is where I think One Foot fans for generations will look back on this moment and be reminded that Victor is not the insane one here because he, he gives himself a bit of a pep talk into the mirror. Now listen, mate, it's not you. You are the only sane one left, so don't you start cracking up for God's sake. And as he says this, yeah, the chap that dresses a bee is in his toilet, which is a classic sitcom trope, like a misunderstanding. He he leaves. Iris, do we see Margaret on the phone? Because the phone rings, and she's obviously asking Margaret once again for this favour. And then Victor, yeah, you can, he's obviously being asked, screams off camera, and uh, he's not screaming because what Iris said. Obviously, she he can't quite believe he's seen this bee man. He's obviously at his, he's at his wits end, isn't he? Yeah. Into the night time. So it's a bit of a Meldrew moan here from Victor Meldrew. Um, it's the toilet roll tearing thing where a neat piece doesn't rip off perfectly, which is frustrating, obviously. Mm. So he's having a good moan about that. Atomic uh, particle accelerator to explain the very origins of the universe. <laughs> That's a good round, isn't it? <laughs> Margaret demands he doesn't run it through her sewing machine. Has he got a habit of doing that? Um, <laughs> 
and he and he moans at the carpet moving out of position. <laughs> and this is this is your line now. Well, not your line, but representing the 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 Abergavenny massive. Every time I come into this room, I have to move this mat back six inches. Well, don't then. If I didn't, it would be halfway to Abergavenny by now. <laughs> I remember watching it. It must have been about 11, like, with my grandparents. And, yeah, bringing up Abergavenny was always good because it's, it's only a small market town. It always, like, freaks me out when you say Abergavenny. <laughs> it's the Welsh-sounding town name I can think of, but I'm sure you can come up with more. But it's ironic because it's Abergavenny, it says the gateway to Wales, which is really borderline. You know, it's, it's like on the not far from the border, so it's, it's not as Welsh as Abersacken. <clears throat> Wrexham, that's very much on the border, isn't it? North Wales, that is, yeah. It's, it's not far off Chester and all this. Um, it sounds very, very Welsh, Abergavenny, but... Abergavenny. Poor old Victor's stomach is in, ab- it's in absolute knots, all this stress, and Margaret delicately broaches the subject of Iris' kids being babysat. Uh, Victor's not a fan of these children, but Margaret must love it. I thought one must like the, the idea of looking after kids in a family, given their tragic background with Stuart. Or perhaps not. It could go either way, couldn't it? But maybe perhaps she. Re- Victor's so grumpy about it. Perhaps it just he doesn't want. It could be. Yeah, probably not the best time to bring this up with Victor when he's feeling distressed. But she has seemingly had all week to ask him or however long she's had to ask him it brings us into the next day the the, the screams of these two kids who are called dylan and elliot call them children of the damned they're played by um simon bright and edward harris the, the simon bright's done a few bits i saw but edward's only appeared in this by the looks of it I, and i don't know if these kids or one of them maybe Edward is is a relative of the crew or david I, I don't know you know when someone's only appeared in one thing and it's of that actual mm. program in this instance one from the grave i just wonder if it was just a one-off actor who didn't do anything just out of how it, that's just how it was he didn't want to go into acting as a kid or was it it's not really a speaking line is it they just had to get crazy didn't they yeah it's just after spin records on <laughs> on sticks well that, that was a weird line she said she blames all the variety shows on television yeah that's probably the equivalent of blame today they say we blame all these shoot 'em up games they're yeah. blaming genuine entertainment shows which is a bit of a bit of a strange one yeah the light entertainment like blaming generation game is a bit pushing it <laughs> it's a bit extreme to think that that kind of show would cause them to go that crazy but Never mind. Yeah. How about blame sweets or the sugar and the e numbers and all that stuff? Oh god! Yeah. What's he pulling? The looks like the mop or something or the broom man. He's been run ragged, isn't he? They're jumping all over him, strangling him, screeching in his face. But they look like they're the kids having genuine good fun, even if they're just they as actors. I think kids love Victor, don't they? Yeah, they're getting on really well with him, but vice versa, I don't know. Iris overhears the commotion. Of- Dylan, I won't come back for you. You know, I'll leave you to stay here forever. Bloody won't. <laughs> I think most parents of young children are guilty of these kinds of baseless threats, aren't they? Yeah. Like, I'm guilty of sending it to my my eldest. Oh, she's not quite four, but you know, if I I might say something, well, we're not going to go to so and so today. If you're going to do that, but you know full well you're going to, because there's no way you're staying inside all day. No, no. <laughs> it's a really cheap way of getting your kids to behave. But I I don't think it should be done. But sometimes you can't resist. But yeah, yeah, a little threat like that. You know, you're going to go ahead with it. It's quite bad, really. Don't do it all the time, though. But just when you're you wit saying like Victor is in this moment, quite an unhelpful mother though. She didn't really have yeah. them under, have, have them under control. What they about eight and ten? They're not like three or four. No, exactly. Not toddlers. And I I didn't realise that the expectation was for was on Victor just to look after the kids himself entirely. Yeah, I wonder why. I Margaret- can't- 
after them and Victor take it to the station. Yeah, that is, that's very true. They put them both drive, can't they? I don't know. But yeah, nevertheless, it's, uh, I'm sure there's a reason. So much for my my note taking. It might it might come up later in my notes. I don't know. I think I think when I watched this, I'm sure when I got t- towards the end of the episode, it, I I remembered why. Just in the edit suite here, we obviously know that Iris is going to visit her uncle Ted in the hospital, but we just can't work out why on this occasion Margaret had to take her. What would she have usually have done? I suppose is what me and uh, Darren were trying to work out. But uh, anyway, back to it. Anyway. Let's not dwell on it. Is there anything else to add to that scene you can think of? No, it's just are we at the are you at the bit where Margaret comes back and says you're back early. Just at the bit where they there's some uh, the briefest of montages. So the briefest of montages that as Victor's struggling to keep the children under control. That's where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. Then then yeah, then Margaret comes back to check in on the madness. And then she says they close the road in. No, no, Victor goes, You're back early. She she says they close the road due to Jackknife Nivea tanker. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there's more to, of this montage scene as we didn't really get very much because it sort of cuts out quite abruptly, doesn't it? Mm. But then it cuts it cuts to Victor reading the paper on the sofa. Yeah. And um obviously, yeah, that's when Mark comes back. He sheepishly jumps up from the sofa and, and she's trying to find the kids and they find them uh <laughs> so the the kids are gagged and blindfolded, tied up in the garage. What's your what's your thoughts on this? Like, like my first thought was because that's where we went, isn't it? That us the we, side. I'm, I'm trying to work out whether the front gate was where we went. Yes, yeah, we did yeah. for a tour of one at the grave, not to see if any kids were. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> we're not tied so up in the garage. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we weren't pretending to be police coppers checking in on uh, the safety of We yeah, we were just a, three nerdy fans looking at film locations. Yeah, so you were trying to see where. That garage bit was, weren't you? Yeah, well, the, I remember the hedge because that's sort of still there, isn't it? and then the side of the house because in the other episode with Victor's up the step ladder. Yeah, uh, I remember that bit. That's how we recognised the house, and I remember trying to work out is that the same place the gate is? Yeah, it must have been. But yeah, Mar- Margaret's quite horrified, like you would be. I, yeah. I don't, I don't condone that this being the right measure, especially because uh, it was back in there. And they're in the yeah, that is that's torture, really. And they <laughs> Victor would get into a lot of trouble if that was taken any further, especially in this day and age. Margaret has very much got the ump with Victor, and he comes over in a bit of agony, doesn't he? She doesn't really take it seriously, a bit like the McKendrick twins. But then she um, she spots him in a lot of pain, and 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 yeah, she she calls the ambulance. So the stress is really getting on top of Victor now, isn't it? Yeah, because I think Margaret said, "Don't try that pathetic act with me." <laughs> well, he could be having a heart attack. You know? I know. As we said earlier, she'll she'll eventually herself unfortunately have a heart attack. But he's in hospital, laying on hospital bed. It's a whistling nurse like Porter comes in, played by John Cassidy, and I believe we do actually see him again. Did you know that? Do we? Yeah, he's the window cleaning. Um, ah, yeah, yes. yeah. Secret of the Seven Sorcerers the, with yeah, the spicy hot coffee. Yeah, that yeah he drinks the and he's in the garden and he with a bucket of water. Yeah. Savage, isn't it? The amount of spice that went into that. Oh, it was ridiculous. So much. Yeah, so as he's laid on the Vic wants to know what the issue is. He's, I think it's a suspected irritable bowel problem. It doesn't exactly help your confidence, though, does it? When someone nods off while they're listening to your heartbeat. <laughs> it's a quick fix, apparently. The porter, like nurse, he's just prepping. He just, they just need to remove his appendix. And then uh, he's just there to shave him. 
So all is seemingly normal and calm as he tries to relax Victor by saying it's it's like it's like being in the hairdressers. It's like he's just trying to make small talk, but it's it's a bit it's obviously out of the ordinary stuff. Whistling like, away, he's got a blade to his grind. Victor looks as uncomfortable as anyone would be. <laughs> Men on the moon, eh? Yes. <laughs> I was up there myself last week. Yes. Obviously, alarm bells are ringing when he's saying how property is shot up. I don't know what you, what would be going through your head at this point. But then, yeah. then the, the actual doctors enter and they ask Victor just to remain calm as they're there to collect Mr. Brock, Mr. Brocklebank, his name Brockle. was Brocklebank. You do fear for Victor right now, don't you? Yeah. They, yeah. they do handle it quite, quite well, and they as they remove him. He's, he's he's not even meant to be in the hospital as uh, as they I think they reference taking him home or they're supposed to take him home. That could only happen to Victor, couldn't it? I know, yeah. That wouldn't happen to Margaret, or maybe Mrs. Warboys might be in that situation, but. Yeah, that's true. I think it would to, to Jean. <laughs> it's yeah, like they, they sort of like very gingerly, a woman in a white coat just looking through the door, <laughs> step away from the knife. Margaret's actually with the nurse, isn't she? She tried to get a coffee. So, so it, is, it is down to stress, apparently. It's all just stress, the doctor says, which we know Margaret will suffer in a few series' time in descent into the maelstrom. And then a little little pun by Margaret, a bit of a closed shave. That was, uh, was that an intentional pun? Margaret's not one for puns, is she? Uh, no, Making I think light she, at the moment. She's quite sort of, like naive. I don't think she was a pun. I think she just generally thought it was a closed shave. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, the the chap did a good job though, but until he had to actually get pulled away, he, was he trying to catch like what yeah. was he? What was he motioning? What was he doing? Uh, like he was trying to catch like flies or something in that yeah moment. he goes full-on crazy really then he starts catching invisible flies and they sort of very gent- gingerly lead him out that's the end of the scene there, end of the scene yeah um into the waiting room it's still obviously the same it's still the same day obviously victor's hang- hanging about waiting to be signed up. oh is it the same day if it's if you had your appendix out you you're an, you're not you're an inpatient surely must be the next day or the day after. I don't know. He's hang. He's he's hanging around in the waiting room, waiting to be signed out of the hospital. And more. There's some Tory canvassers with the film crew, classic canvassing, full of bull and asking for their vote. How I've yeah. noted it. And uh, Victor does show this candidate up as he'll say he will be voting for the monster raving loony party. Very smarmy, and this this candidate. Very smarmy. He's, yeah, it's it's he's Victor speaking up for the working class masses here, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the the uh, the MP or the the candidate does play it quite well. It's quite funny how he's just trying yeah. to be polite. He's quite embarrassed. That embarrassed laugh. <laughs> thank you very much. He does. Like, I was quite funny. And he's like, "Well, thank you very much." He's like, "Yeah, he's definitely trying to get away from this pan." <laughs> I picked the wrong one now. I put they're definitely not going to air that um, unless it's live. They're not going to let allow Victor to be. Uh, Speaking down at a Tory candidate, there's there's talk of the government closing down nurseries, which is why they're to babysit the kids, those two children. They're too old for nurseries, surely. They looked about six or seven. I said earlier eight and ten is just a guess, but, you know, they're not. Nursery age is up to four, isn't it? Four yeah, and a half. Five, they start. Five yeah. start school, and they're definitely older than five, surely. Oh, I was beaten up by two five-year-olds. Oh, so they okay. 
they're just actors a bit i suppose it's hard to get actors young actors and actresses to play a certain role so they probably were seven or eight but so because yeah because of the cuts to, to nurseries i didn't think that i don't think you can i didn't i thought nurseries and schools they're sort of they are publicly funded somewhat but you don't cut close those sorts of buildings down do you or do you yeah it, it did that funny enough it did that happen because the the nursery that my kids went to closed more or less straight after because of the, the well it's a bit different now they're sort of part private part um funded by the government mm. i think in those days it was you would have just government funded nurseries and obviously if the funding is is pulled or cut short they would have to just close or they and they build like a bigger nursery mm. and just um all sudden that rather than having three or four nurseries they just have one big one okay oh, yeah i didn't know yeah but i think would affect them if you know Tories at the time would, you know, cut funding. They'd have to close down. There was a reference by Victor saying, "I didn't understand when, when he said to doctors he may never play the comb and paper again." Did you get it's that? The, yeah, it's the. I, well, I assume it's the comb and tracing paper. You know, with kids years ago, they do that and they play like a. It was like a, oh yeah, I think now. it's just Victor taking the mic really. He sort of does a, what you call a mic drop. Ah, seems my taxi's arrived, so I'll bid you good day. To the dark side of the moon, my good man, and quickly too. <laughs> I thought that's quite a good exit. Yeah. And we're, we're almost at the end. It's, it does feel like it's gone quick. Even it's a half an hour episode still. He's, he's, um, he's listening to some wartime number. I don't know who. I should have shazammed it, really. So Ooh. it's the vinyl player. It's a bit scratchy. Very oh, sad. Yeah. It captures Victor's state of mind. I think Margaret encourages it's an early night. And Victor says if she, if she should hear any sudden screams, it's just him smacking on some aftershave. Why is why is that? Why did that get a huge laugh? Did I what did I miss here, Darren? It's because he's he's had his down below shaved. Yeah. Normally, if you shave if you shaved his face, he'd be smacking on aftershave on his face. Yeah. But I think it refers to him. He's smacking it on his groin, so it's going to sting. <laughs> Okay. So if you hear him screaming, it's because he's pulling it on where he should have been shaved. Right, okay, yeah. But, uh, I don't know why I didn't get that when I was reviewing it. I don't think I got it. First time around, I didn't get that. And mm. then got a bit older, I thought, oh, I suppose, because he's, like, especially Victor's generation, men would shave and then put on aftershave. Well, Margaret sits back in her chair and lets out a sigh, and that brings us right to, well, it is the, the last moment of the episode. So what what would you score that out of ten then? Um, I do like you said before. I do like that episode because it shows Victor really sarcastic, which I like. Um, yeah. He's still building the character because it's the first series, and he's still building the character. People probably wouldn't have seen all the episodes up to this point, um, so I I give it seven and a half out of ten. Okay, well, yeah. I'd say eight for mentioning Abigavani. Is that <laughs> is that based on? Is that score based on just the series one quality or overall? Because they're two different scores for me. Based on series one, I'd probably give it a six. And overall, I'd probably give it about a five or a six. Yeah, probably based on series one, I think that. It's not, not the best if you look at all of them, I suppose. It's not it's not the best. But um... well, any, any idea what the, the uh, title means? Obviously, Bedlam is... Uh... State of uproar and confusion. Yeah, I think a fair amount of that in this episode. It's a bit, Joyce, because I worked in mental health for about eleven years. 
Bedlam was um they don't call it that now, but a lunatic asylum that was based in London somewhere. I think it was called I think it was Bethlehem Hospital or something, but they used to call it Bedlam. Um so if they say I'll retire to Bedlam, you know, I'll be sectioned and, and carted off sort of thing. It's an appropriate title. Yeah. It's I uh... think it play on bed as well, I'll retire to bed. Right, bed. okay. That sort of thing. I think I'm going to the last episode I I did a sort of a would you rather thing you know where I where I say Victor or Margaret Patrick or Pippa, but I think with you I'm going to do if you're up for it a game of Desert Island discs, one foot in the Desert Island. Are you, are you happy to play that? Sounds good. Okay, so one foot in the desert island. So, which character? You're, yeah, you're, you're Darren Lloyd, stranded on a desert island. You, you were getting the the plane from Abergavenny Airport, if there is an airport, there, to um, Algarve in Portugal, and unfortunately, you, you crashed and you landed on a desert island. But don't worry, we can make it as comfortable as possible for you, and just by magic. You're allowed to take one character from one from the grave with you. They, I, we can air, we can air lift them, or air drop them even. Who in any? It doesn't have to be the main character. It could be a one-off character. It could be even someone we never met. We just heard of them. Who are you taking? Oh God, what a question! Um, I'm trying to think of it because everyone would say Victor, mm. but apart from Victor, I want to say Mr. Swaney. So I think it's this boy, so... boy scout. He's a boy scout. He, he knows probably knows survival techniques potentially. That, yeah, that as well. That'd be handy. But he he seems like I always feel like Mr. Swain that there was never enough of him in it. Yeah. Even though, no, I suppose it's not loads sort of layers to him, but I just felt <laughs> we, he just sort of hinted at stuff, didn't he? And he never sort of explained it. And I think is about about the Norman Bates vibe. I think he he'd just be quite interesting, and I just want to know like a bit about his background and how he grew up because he, he surely hasn't done that all of his life or maybe a, yeah a, overgrown boy scout is how he was mm. described isn't it i yeah. i actually i went for the shallow option and said katie the cleaner uh why. <laughs> okay um subsequently which episode do you take just by magic i've given you a portable dvd player powered by uh the sun mm. by sunlight solar powered unfortunately it can only play one episode ridiculous isn't it it's a disc in there any of the episodes are available, but which one are you gonna watch? That's so difficult. I'm sure. Did we mention this before? Series by series, I probably pick. I pick one out of each series, but then ask me tomorrow, and I probably change my mind. This is it, I know. But the the one I always love is the is Seven Sorcerers. Pick that then. The... Logic might say pick a special, pick mm. a Algarve, pick a Wisdom of the Witch, but doesn't have to be. Does it? Are you going with Secret Seven Sorcerers? I think so, yeah, because I think it's, it depends. It's a bit like Only Fools. If I watch an episode a lot, I'll sort of favour another one that I haven't seen for a while. But I think yeah. just seeing Victor, like, not not happy, but he's he's a bit like me, I suppose. I get involved in, like, hobbies just to sort of keep myself busy. And and um, what, what they describe him as, cross between the Magic Circle and Dad's Army. <laughs> it's just, I think yeah. that's I'll I'll be with if I ever retire. It's if that's a thing, good... get to that age. But, um, yeah, I just think good to see him with sort of friends and 
you know, socialising, even though it goes disastrously wrong. It is good to see him keep him busy. Agree. Okay, well, that's the episode you're taking. Which food mentioned in the show do you have as your only meal that can be eaten every day? If you want me to prompt you with some possible grubs. So, for example, pineapple and anchovy pizza, spaghetti vongoli, lobster curry, cod and finger chips. And so the the, the cod and chips will, we would have that finger every time. One of Victor's specials, which could be anything. Uh, a nice piece of gurnet. I love the way he says gurnet. <laughs> it's, it's, the best, it's the best thing to, if, you, if you're a writer I imagine yeah, you want the funniest sounding foods, gurnets is funny I think the th- there's other things like wh- whatever was on that buffet uh, table when Mr Foskett arrived, that looked pretty good and the big whopper with cheese tin of pilchards, there's, there's quite a lot off the top of your head, what, what uh, meal are you taking? I think I'd go. <laughs> what was Victor's special? Remember, he said, oh, I'll do one I'll of do my, one sp- my specials. That was in Secret Seven Sources, wasn't it? I'll do one of my specials. Well, whatever it was, wasn't it John Cassidy? Wasn't he in that episode then? Because he drank yeah. a. So it was something spicy. Was it a curry? Was it, um, it was chili? Chili con carne. Yeah. Well, that'd be good. Is that, are, you going I... for the, are you going for the Victor special? It's either that or the, um, the chips and. Cod chips and finger. Yeah, I'd love to meet Enrico, your office <laughs> wallet. A chip shop wallet. Splash it down the crapper. Crash it, yeah, was it? I make lots of noise. <laughs> he was a very good one off, actually. Yeah. And I, I love how he's like so close to Victor, and he, you never seen him before, but he's like, he loves Victor. Yeah. Victor Meldrew. It's nice that someone in the community likes him, though. Really values yeah. him. Um, okay. Let's, are you going with cotton finger chips or are you going with Victor Special? I'll go with Victor Special. I just love these, like, the fact that he's got a special, so he must have cooked something enough. I do actually say that to my other half. I say, <laughs> should I do one of my specials? And I put his accent on. I do one of my specials. It's not exactly <laughs> like that, I know, but she's used to it now. God bless her. All right, okay. All right, so which drink do you take? So we, we've heard, we, we know there's the spicy coffee that John Cassidy's character drinks the window clean the polish sherry there's the smarties and whiskey there's what's the there's there's obviously other drinks i can't remember but if you can remember certain things he's drank there's the posh bottle of wine that belonged to tom croker oh god yeah it was more than a five i know that (laughs) what are they trying to fill it with him and margaret well there's like lemonade or there's ginger ale or something and something fizzy in it because it um I think Patrick first when they they took the cork off and it it, it came out with if it was fizzy so it nearly took their heads off. <laughs> Something but, carbonated, yeah. I think, yeah. I, think I, I love a whiskey, so I think I'll go with the Smarties and whiskey. You reference that every sauce, don't you? In the WhatsApp chat, I'm sure. Do that's I? One of, that's one of your go-to. Yeah, it must be the. Yeah, that's, I think. I think because... I, I think of you oh, when that yeah. quote comes up. <laughs> in a good yeah, way. What's it? What'd you say? Reduces the level to like a child or something. <laughs> level of conversation. He's like, good thing it wasn't his uncle Dick. <laughs> I love, I love how uh, I love it when Victor gets in touch with his more youthful side. Yeah, he's just a bit chilled. He's very funny. Okay, final question then. Which character do you feed to the sharks? So some reminders for you: Kazanzi the gardener, the IT salesman, the pushy one. You know the one that. Uh, Memo to Samantha, that guy, and uh, the Bendy Dinosaurs man, the the thug, 
in series six who throws the the swan in the lake it's quite a, there's quite a few you could uh you didn't have to chuck in the so-called bad you might be really fed up with mr and mrs ellsbury for all i know mm. i think joe well, i the... was gonna say the um the bendy dinosaur salesman because it's it's such a that's such a sad episode and the fact that he's he's conned this poor old man into spending his last mm. few pounds on bendy dinosaurs rather than get locks um that's so so sad always going to say them i think what push it is that thug that throws the, mm. the dead swan into the i mean he's just vile and he's where he turns up a victor's house then you've got to use a bit of psychology <laughs> yeah that guy. it's just he's horrible imagine living next door to him i know next when he was not the most helpful because he sort of <laughs> yeah encouraged i don't know he wasn't to know that of the incident previous that it would be involving victor but he didn't really take into account when victor explained tried to explain to him that he's a bit of a rough type um, what did he say he's going to beat the living the... shit into whoever it was yeah i don't that... think i don't think nick realized that he even but i think uh you could also have had melvin wisdom the witch you could feed him to the sharks he tried to kill patrick didn't he spider yeah edwin you could you could feed edwin to the sharks he's not really technically a character but no uh, who else? Who else would you want to? Who, who else would you want to? Who else is annoying in that? Oh, in that? that guy. Um. Oh, he's playing played by Ayn Rytel. Ayn oh Rytel. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And who's listening? I mean, yeah. I mean, he's. Oh god, that bloke needed help. You know, constantly yeah. time and. I still felt sorry for him when when he was sort of reduced yeah. to tears and and the guns. He's he's suddenly really vulnerable. He's really uh, ill. He needs a lot how, of how about the? window cleaner woman who like is really aggressively trying to get Victor into trouble for so-called flashing she's oh, annoying that's horrible what she says about yeah expose them something a pervert and that. yeah that's well overboard wasn't it that was yeah she she, <laughs> she just seemed like a chancer yeah what she say he was handling his private parts he goes of course i was handling them i was drying them with a flannel <laughs> what do you drape them over the radiator which he of course does in the in um end game when he's trying to oh, dry God. his crotch He's having sexual intercourse with the red dance <laughs> Who else is there? Who else could you feed to the sharks that's warranted? The, uh, groom, the Groomway children? Or uh, their really? dad? Or the, whoever, the bloke who put the pain in the arse sign? Which isn't the Groomway children. It's just a new family in warm champagne. They just moved to the area. Be him. What about... Um, oh, God, what's his name? He's in a few episodes. Is that a cricket match, you're right? Oh, oh um, Laverick. That, oh, Mr. Laverick of Laverick, because oh. he, he proper pisses Victor around with that, doesn't yeah. he? That's, that's and, as, and, like... and as the mechanic as well, Nick Maloney, yeah. yeah. He's useless as the mechanic, yeah. That's a good shout. Are we going for that? Laverick, yeah. I think you sure? Laverick, because he's very smarmy, useless. <laughs> okay, uh, that concludes it then. So you're taking Nick Sweeney, you're watching Secret Seven Sorcerers, and you're feasting on one of Victor's specials, which we think is a beef chilli. You're washing that down with some whiskies and Smarties, which is a clever choice because that's your pudding, the Smarties. Mm-hmm. And then um, you're, um, I don't know if this is on repeat every day, but you're feeding uh, Laverick stroke mechanic guy to the sharks if you want to every day. He just, he suddenly regenerates and uh, that's, uh, that's well, you've just completed one foot in the desert island.
that side i wish i could produce a quiz of some sort actually i'm going to play this round i'll play this quick would you rather quick fire round right i am yeah. going to eventually change these questions but i think i'll i'll for the next time i do this i will change them but you're the, the last guest i will use these on okay victor or margaret victor patrick or pippa patrick mrs wall boys or mr swaney mr swaney what in the name of sanity or what in the name of bloody hell Bloody hell. Anchovy and pineapple pizza or ham and margarita pizza? Ham and margarita. Nippy the taxidermy dog or Nicky the absconding cockatiel? Gotta be nippy. Kazanzi the crazed gardener or Mr. Gleason the river littering thug? Kazanzi. Katie the cleaner or Petra Marie? Katie the cleaner. <laughs> Victor Meldrew or Alfred Meldrew? Victor. Beast in the Cage or The Trial? Beast in the Cage. The ending to Wisdom of the Witch or the ending to Things Aren't Simple Anymore? Things Aren't Too Simple Anymore. And finally, Wingate Drive or Riverbank? Rivers Bank. Reverse Bank. Reverse Bank. I was going to say, I I said final final question, but I've actually got some more poignant, um, serious ones, which might uh, invoke some serious chat. Mr. Sweeney and Mrs. Meldry's chat in Dawn of Man, or Mr. Yeah. Foskett finding out his wife and kids have let him down. Sorry, Mr. Mr. Foskett finding out his wife and kids have left him. I That's tough, Joe. I'd say purely because we went there and sat there where they had that chat, Mr. Mm. Sweeney and Margaret, and the fact that like she, she always looks on him like he's a bit of a son. <clears throat> yeah. Like a mother-son role model, and he, he has that sort of poignant moment of, you know, I mean, he's middle-aged, he's sort of working out, weighing mm. up his life. Um, and then Margaret says to him, you know, it's not about ambition and, you know, making money. It's, you know, sometimes just being a sweet, good person is is, is worth looking up to. That's got so, deep. Uh, that's right, that's part of the segment. She's, mm. she's, she's plays an absolute blinder, doesn't she? She's so nice to him in that scene. And then, of course, it doesn't last long, you see Victor behind <laughs> Match through the bedroom window. That's a genius scene, isn't it? Just sw- it switches like that to comedy from parts when we went there. Yeah, <laughs> because you you've spotted that. I think you mentioned this, didn't you? That or Simon that the anyone at the Meldrews front door, you see the uh, some houses opposite. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's uh, one massive screen with with pictures of houses, but in reality, it's a it's a small car park, isn't it? Yeah, it's just literally on the right bit. It's just a brick wall, and it with three car spaces and yeah side of a building it uh, it's a bit like dad's army in it whenever you see outside he's always like a painted sheet it's so funny isn't it yeah it's it's, i i'm fascinated by background scenes and and obviously the last 15 20 years it's really realistic i Mm. couldn't even back to fools and horses in the early 90s when I was watching Age, I couldn't work out how they managed to make them look like they're looking out the top of the of Nelson Mandela house, looking out over, over London, basically. Yeah. I just thought, how did they do that? That's it, yeah. I, I mean, I was say... very young. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was 23. You're 23. No, I, was, I was very young. <laughs> I'd have been a little boy. Just, there's clearly an audience laughing, but they can't possibly be fitting in that flat <laughs> watching. It's like, is it um to Helen back where they... Mm-hmm. It gave, it gave me like a bit of anxiety seeing it. It's when you see the, that oh, other the side wall of the wall that you never ever see. Very rare just, shot, isn't it? And it's yeah. like behind the TV, and it, it's weird. It's still strange watching it. Can I just? Um, I think I hear a phone vibrate. It's not me farting. 
just want to make that clear. I hear it. I my phone buzzing. <laughs> Sorry about uh, the smell. It's coming through the mic here, Dazza. Oh. <laughs> right, anyway. Um, Mr. Sweeney finding out Tanya has a boyfriend or Victor ripping up his script. Oh, I'd always said, didn't I, on, that, on the previous ones, that I'd love to see what Victor put in that script. Because I think we asked Renwick, didn't we? I think we asked him, did he actually write anything or was it? Because I mean, yeah. did I he say? Him... I can't remember. I can no. Perhaps we didn't ask him. Perhaps I dreamt it. But is that, um... is that when is that when I spontaneously rang him to ask where a certain address was in um in Bournemouth? Or... <laughs> is it War... <laughs> We're trying to find Warnford Road, which is where they filmed Series One. Yeah, I think I just any excuse to ring him. I must have. It was absolutely. It was fanboy. brilliant. It was. It was great. But no, I think yeah, that script would have been brilliant. I think the one foot fans would have loved to catch it. I mean, Margaret slated it. I mean, the the beauty of these questions are there's no context to them. So, I could be asking you which scene do you prefer. I could be asking you which one was more sad. But it sounds like you've interpreted it, and there's no right or wrong way that which one you prefer. And yours is the script because you're quite curious to know what what writing quality Victor has. What what kind of ideas did he come up with? What kind of show was it? But we'll, we'll never know, sadly. Okay, that's that's a good answer. They're both good answers. That's why I, I felt I could choose those two. It's quite difficult to, to pick one. Okay, the death of Albert or the death of Mildred? Mm, I don't know. I thought, mm, Mildred was very, very rennick when it was very dark. That's, that's where you see a sort of body hanging outside the window, and that it? it is, yeah. You're in I a know. game of happy families. Yeah. But the one thing I remember about that is when, when you interviewed... Um, Oh, what's his name? Gordon. Gordon, beg your pardon. Yeah, when you interviewed him, I remember he he said that he thought that scene would have been interpreted interpreted as a funny scene. I, and he said yeah. that, that audience is laughing, and that scene is very black. I think they had. I think Chris Gurnan said the same. I think she. They had. They didn't intend for it to be hilarious or funny, but some of the audience. Yeah. Orders were laughing. I don't know how they got. They must have dubbed out the laughter because it was yeah. supposed to be a serious, that, dark moment. He thought if they all, like when we watched it, it would be seen as a funny scene. But it's strange that because, it, like you said, it's very dark, very black. Yeah, right? it's, yeah. I, I, I remember. I mean, I remember watching that. It was, it was quite, it was quite, quite creepy. Was, and like just, the lighting and how they sort of rush into it and make his. Mm. Doing my, my you didn't brother. see it coming, do you? No, they rush round and he's like. Where are we going now? And then they're just there, and they it seems like it seems like middle of the night as well. Final one: the care home residents finding justice in Hearts of Darkness, or little Adam being reunited with his apparent dead dad. In who's listening? Again, Mike, there's no context to that question. It's just whatever you want it to be. I think I, I'd rather watch the care home residents getting justice or getting their own back. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of questions with that episode as well because at the end of it, like, do they, I mean, how do they, do they ever find the staff? Is that the staff that's, you know, being crucified out in the field? It doesn't sort of explain it, does it? It doesn't. But yeah, one of my favourites of that episode has got um, the fact that they're watching Bottom. Yeah, I need to say that. You're a massive then, Bottom fan, aren't you? Then there's Skullcrusher Henderson there. It is, yeah. And was it, it that same episode? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, that's what I've always found weird was the Skullcrusher Henderson was that was he already so yeah so he yeah so he's already been in that bottom episode and he's watching himself back it's skull crashing time 
that guy, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I I go with that one. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of this uh, this episode with a little bonus couple of games on the end there. I I wasn't too sure if I'd include the the fun in games, but I felt like that was a quite a quick discussion because the episode was quite a flowy, quick, free flowing episode, and like I said, didn't feel like a, too much was going on. When I do the rewind rewatch episodes of series two, there'll be a lot more discussion points, I think. Well, Darren, thank you very much for, for joining. Thanks, um, Tom. Great fun reviewing this one once again with you. What's the next one for episode you're going to put on? Or do you just put a hit random? I'm, do you know what? I'm going to rewatch the first series because that, I'll retire to bed. I think that's sort of like piqued my interest again because it's, it's not, it's a bit like Only Falls. It's not what I, like my sort of go to episodes. If I go put it on in a day, I won't put on series one. Yeah. But I think I will yeah. now. I'll rewatch it. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate uh, the ongoing positive feedback. And I'll be back next week for episode five, uh, The Eternal Quadrangle, where I look forward to discussing that with with, uh, my next guest. Darren, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Tom. And we'll speak to you next week. Being just as busy as we can be, flying all around the white hedgerows, stinging all the cows from the parson's nose. Honey bee, honey bee, if you like, but roasting me. Honey bee, honey bee, if you like, but roasting me.
I want to 